is a magic number. live from the microverse hey oh i'm sorry i mean the quantum realm gotta get that trademark right from marvel anyway this is third times a charm the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise this is episode 70 ant-man and the wasp quantum mania i'm your host mike ant manzi <laughs> okay, it worked. Joining me tonight are two of my closest aunt buddies. We have back as always, well, almost always, the unofficial co-host of the show, Bryant Rodriguez. Welcome back, <laughs> Brian. Happy to be here, Mike. His middle name is Anthony. It is. Brian Anthony Rodriguez. That's my middle name, sort of. Also joining us tonight is Kyle. I'm not a dick, Ryan Freed. He's not a dick. Definitely not. But I'm trying to think of some ant-related pun. I was thinking Kyle Quantum Realm Freed. It'll have to do. Exactly. Welcome back to the show, Kyle. You are pretty much my unofficial Marvel Part 3 co-host expert to the show. So welcome back. Mike, you have so many unofficial things. Let's make it official, baby. Okay. I think we actually have. I think it's just been a minute <laughs> since we've talked Marvel or um, Marvel Part 3s, and but we're back. When was the last time we were here? I think it was for Spider-Man, right? Was we didn't do Ragnarok after Spider-Man? That was the last Part 3 released in theaters in the MCU. I guess so. That's a little over a year ago. Tonight we are, yes, talking about Ant-Man Part 3. This is cool because this show doesn't usually talk about new movies. But this year, guys, just briefly need to talk about like the amount of Part 3s coming out. Not just this Ant-Man, but... Yeah, so there's also Magic Mike's Part 3 is out already. Creed 3 coming out next month as of this recording, right? And then later there's Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out. I mean, it's... It's a big year for part threes, that's for sure. We had we had a bunch last year, and now some more this year. Mike, this is the right time for this show. Scream six, technically, that's like it's almost it's almost as if it's like a newish trilogy. I know it's not. That'll be a good time to actually review Scream three because I haven't done that yet. So oh, okay. Scream three, and uh, same with indie. You know, there's a new indie, and then I'll finally cover indie part three on this show. Probably the reason for the show existing is to talk about that movie and still haven't. Nice, nice. You have to have us on for that. Sorry to book your show. Your unofficial co-host, you have, you know, you have say. You have, you know, some power. Kyle and I have a, have a lot of history, yeah. Yeah, one of the greatest compliments Brian has ever given to me. And mind you, I've known him for over 20 years. Brian gave me one of the greatest compliments of all time. And mind you, I've known him for over 20 years now. He once called me the Sala of his life. So just point being... So sweet. I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah, very accurate. And I'm psyched to see that Sala is back in uh, the Dial of Destiny. We're sorry. This call cannot be completed. Please hang up and dial (laughs) Destiny again. 
I'm glad it's the three of us because I'm going to make an uncle joke, literally, and as corny as it sounds. But uh, I feel like even though this is Ant-Man, we're all uncle men here because we just have natural uncle energy. Like everyone on the Cage Club Podcast Network are just Funkles. I'm actually wearing a shirt today that says Funkle. That, that checks out. It'd be funny if there was also an Ant-Man uh, that was A-U-N-T that was, or like Ant-Woman. How about an Ant-May, an Ant-May, Ant-Man crossover? Why has that not happened? In the multiverse. Well, she's out there somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if we come across a young Aunt May that was bitten by a radioactive spider. I'm just saying I would watch Marissa Tomei and Paul Rudd hook up. That's all I'll say that. Yeah, before we uh, explore more Spider-Verse, let me run down the insane plot of this as best I can, because that way we can go all over the place. We don't have to go in a straight line. We can talk about the cast and then explore the movie. We can get bigger. We can get smaller. We can... Here we go with the plot of Quantum Mania. It is post Thanos, and Scott has written a book and he's doing a press tour, and we hear his voiceover as he's living the life in San Francisco. Things are going great till he bails his daughter Cassie out of prison, chip off the old block. Turns out she's been corroborating with the Pims and learning ant tech and micro stuff and built a quantum beacon to map the quantum realm where scott was trapped so that they could explore it safely however janet the original wasp is very uneasy about all this and before she can get them to stop they're all sucked down into the quantum realm split into two teams we have team pim van dyne and we have team lang so scott and cassie are traversing one half of the quantum realm uh, they sort of come upon weirdoville uh, with lots of strange phallic buildings team pim come across none other than bill Murray, who's hanging out in the quantum realm. Everybody is like very weary of Janet. She left and like there seems to be a big history with her in the quantum realm between everybody. But before that can get all settled, they're attacked by MODOK, a big freakish machine designed only for killing. And he is none other than Corey Stoll uh, from Ant-Man 1. And we find out that when he was shrunk down at the end of that movie, he became this freakish killing machine from the comics. Um, and they all work for Kang the Conqueror. Turns out Janet knew Kang her, her time in the quantum realm and tried to help him out until she learned he was evil and then sabotaged his ship. And then she escaped back up to our world. But now she's back down there and Kang is aware and he needs the Pym Tech to fix his quantum probability engine of some multiversal chair that he's got and uses to conquer all reality so scott has to help him to save cassie but kang goes back on his word and tries to kill her and then scott and all the ant men and women take control of the quantum realm it's almost over i swear to god i didn't realize this much happened there's a huge fight at the end of this movie scott ends up shrinking kang down with the quantum engine into oblivion we never see them again and then everyone gets back to their realities hopefully everything worked out okay scott's not too sure and in the post credit scenes we see that there are like millions of variants of kang and they all hang out together and they look over the sacred timelines and they're ready for a multiversal war and then in post credit scene two we see loki and none other than hey it's me man i'm back sean wilson man what are you scared of this guy for he looks all right but loki's like no that's gonna be kang one day even though we're only in the 20s and that's the end i mean that's that about sums it up i think we're good it is a lot but it's also not i know this movie isn't 
getting the best critical buzz but whatever like that shouldn't matter to anyone at this point really we're talking about the 31st mcu film phase five baby it's made a good amount of money it's made its money back it'll make much more overall though i had fun watching this movie i can't complain about that kyle you and i have a lot of history with the ant-man series i feel like yeah Originally, it felt like at least we were the only champions of this series when everyone was like, oh, Edgar Wright's not directing it. Boo-hoo. All right, who cares? That's how I felt at the time. I I like Edgar Wright, right? I really like Edgar Wright. But there were so many people who jumped off the ship when Edgar Wright jumped off the ship. And then it came out, and it was a delightful movie. We're also, Kyle, you and I are big Peyton Reed fans. I'm glad he got to do the entire trilogy, which isn't that common in the MCU, let's be honest. It's becoming more common. The Spider-Man guy was the first, and now him. But that's still Sony. Well, technically, I suppose it's both, but he he works for Kevin Feige, I believe, ultimately. I don't know. I don't know the politics of it all. I, I will just say that Peyton Reed, though, is an unlikely person to complete a trilogy in this series. He's not a artiste where they were like, oh, give us your vision and and do three movies here. I think he just sort of followed the rules and and did a really good job, and I'm really happy for him. Again, Kyle, why don't you tell the third-timers out there where Peyton Reed really got on our radar, you and I? Obviously, well, obviously, we're huge Bring It On fans. No, but it's the the breakup. Yes, the breakup, which is a movie a lot of people hate. Kyle and I both love and think it's Mm. an inspiring inspired romantic comedy and one of the stars of that film is none other than john favreau another huge member of this mcu at least at one time right i was happy when i heard peyton reed's name here i thought he had kind of the skill to direct a paul rudd in this kind of role again happy he could see this series i don't want to say to the end but at least through the trilogy i hear that i could see all that i I dug the breakup when i saw it i think he was a good choice too you know not just because he had to step in at the final hour and take the reins and i think he did a good job of stepping in for that first movie which mostly seemed planned out already ahead of him but you could see in part two where he kind of like injected his humor and his sensibilities and and more of that kind of humor-based stuff and i think he works really well with this cast i was just sort of surprised about this movie going where it goes i was just expecting someone to step in like was to have more of like a thor 3 like a taika waititi kind of vibe to it um you know that's what i was sort of expecting i think he gets pretty close I don't know. It's just there's so much effect stuff going on here. I fear that he might have gotten kind of like a little overwhelmed with some of what he had to deal with. But overall, I definitely give him a lot of congratulations for doing three. That's the thing. I mean, so this is his third movie. But like you're saying, the second one was definitely more his movie because the first one was just in such like pre-production for so many years. So almost in that sense, this is like his second really full one that he's doing, which then I hear you saying Taika, but you were saying more for Ragnarok. But if we're going to go like more his second project, this is closer to being like his love and thunder, which not to go fully into that, but a lot of people we're just like, oh, you know, couldn't exactly capture the same magic in the bottle again as as Ragnarok. So I almost think that's a little bit of the same thing here. Slash, it's a huge ask to make, you know, the third entry, you know, to complete a trilogy of Ant-Man films. But clearly this movie is a vehicle to set up a lot of things in the future. I haven't felt this sort of since 
Iron Man 2, where it's like, we want to do one movie, but we also have to do this other movie. Like, this should feel more like Ant-Man 3, but it kind of doesn't. It kind of feels like Phase 5 movie number one. You know, this feels like Kang Dynasty, the beta test or something. Like, in a lot of ways, I almost kind of wish they made a movie just called Kang and like got most of this, but in sort of a different fashion. I feel like it's overshadowed by the mandate. Having Kang in this, like it almost would have made more perfect sense in like a perfect wrapped up little bow if Modok was the villain. Yes, just him. All of a sudden, we saw that he was pulling the strings of Modok, but really, Modok was like the main bad guy, which he does like because there's this whole thing between him and Cassie. Like, there are some good elements of Cassie being arrested, so there is just that whole like in the cats and the cradle and everything going on with that, like father, like daughter, yada yada yada. But then by bringing the bad guy from the first movie, and I I don't mind. I'm not like I, you know, I've seen so many people. Oh, why do they have to keep making fun of the names of heroes? and villains in the mcu it's like oh yeah well modok is like a kind of stupid name and it's a weird enough character and it's also the ant-man film where they make jokes like this but in in the end yeah it would have made a lot more sense if modok was the villain like how loki was then the villain the avengers but why though this is what i don't understand like i don't understand that criticism at all who cares just just as far as storytelling and then as far as like kang is just such a like bigger villain you think of the bad guys in ant-man too like it's kind of ghost but it's you know but she's not that bad like it's not like he deals with the craziest of villains but he did this is the thing i guess i just really do not care um i don't watch all these films anymore if we never see kang again i know we will but if we never see kang again i'm fine with it like i'm just trying to view it as like a singular film and i don't think it succeeds 100 percent. like you can't watch this naked and not have anything attached at all but from the kang perspective i thought it was fine i thought it was actually good minus post-credit scene i actually didn't watch the post-credit scene because i honestly i i've stopped really watching those because i don't care about the connections as much i just watch the movies i want to watch so like if you just if you knew nothing about ken and he was just in this movie as the bad guy here i think it makes sense on that level i don't see anything that's like hey remember me from this or that you know what i mean i think post-credits attaches it there i think when you're thinking of this is the start of phase five i think that makes sense i'm in agreement that this isn't like necessarily oh the the capper of a trilogy either but in in terms of just like a popcorn flick that i would watch with my nephew who doesn't exist great i had a good time there's just there's a lot of different perspectives you could watch this movie from which makes it strange because they're catering to everybody at the same time now dr strange there's the crazy people like me who watch everything and realize that, like, wait a minute, the guy playing Kang, I've seen him before. He's he who remains. And he talked about his variants and the multiversal war. So, like, I'm coming into this movie with a lot of information, okay? Like, a lot of baggage, if you will. I see Jonathan Major show up and, like, I know exactly how threatening he is. I know he's technically billed as the next Thanos. We're in a post-Endgame world now, so the stakes need to be higher. Uh, I just don't feel like Ant-Man is the movie to raise these stakes with. But then again, maybe it is, right? Because it just goes to show that like even Ant-Man isn't safe. Like this happy-go-lucky guy can't be happy-go-lucky anymore thanks to his encounter with someone of this type, this maniac. Well, I would just say on that note, Mike, I do think it is a bit of a cop-out though to have, it's like, oh no, this is just one of the Kangs, you know, going to the post credit scene, which I just, I read about after. So like, that's why I don't feel like, oh wait, Ant-Man set up the big 
bad. It's more like, here's a tease, almost like Doctor Strange. Like we were expecting like, oh, this is going to introduce the X-Men and this is going to introduce Fantastic Four. And it kind of did, but it really was more of a cop out. It wasn't like, all right, Doctor Strange is the start of Fantastic Four. You know what I mean? All the more reason it felt to me like a cop out to see Kang just get pretty much defeated by ant-man you know because i'm watching this going like there's no fucking way like this movie's gonna end with kang escaping and trapping ant-man in the quantum realm and that's the end and like they copped out of that basically (laughs) you know like that really feels like where this should have gone and by having modok be the main villain it's adding this level of absurdity but also it's still dire straits, you know, because like if Modoc has kidnapped Ant-Man's daughter, like it's the only way to take him seriously. You know, it's like we're reliving the past. Like, remember when I broke into her room and like there's some pathos and stuff uh, story wise with those characters going on. And by introducing Kang into the mix here, I don't know. I think it just diminishes him for us that are expecting more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel I feel where you're coming from, Brian, and I'm glad that it works like that. But then when you see him show up down the line and now you know that like the next Avengers movie is called the Kang Dynasty and the one after that is like Secret Wars all around Kang. You know, like he is going to be around for a while. I think you're severely downplaying Ant-Man and the importance in the series considering who's left in the Avengers, right? Like he's almost an OG Avenger, almost obviously. How many years has he been in the series now? Eight years in the series. Eight years in the series, but then it's also like in the future, you know, it's beyond our years now. Oh, good point. Good point. He's really one of the core members here. Again, I know this is one version of Kang. You're acting like he showed up, punched him in the face. He was knocked out and he won. To me, who knows a bit of the history of Kang, like it just was like, it was just confusing and sort of baffling to me that that's kind of how it felt. Like knowing how omnipotent this character is supposed to be, especially this variant of him, that this is like the most maniacal one out there. So much so that the entire rest of the Kangs and the multiverse banished him to the quantum realm so that they didn't need to deal with him anymore. Honestly, I'm expecting them to kill Ant-Man in this movie. Like I'm expecting someone to die. I was a little surprised. Surprised by that, yeah. I was surprised that there wasn't a death of a main character, and I was kind of like, "Ooh, who's it gonna like? Who's it make the most sense of?" And like Ant Man, you know, and just the whole realm with variants. Now it's just like, oh well, yeah. So it could definitely be Ant Man. You know, it could be Scott, but it could be Hank. Yeah, you you do Ant Man Senior. Like Hank dies, and then somehow he's transformed his brain into an ant, so that Michael Douglas doesn't have to show up anymore, and you can just do it voiceover style. He wants to do one more. That's what he said. He wants to do one more. My biggest question is what happened at the end? What did like Cassie do or Hank or just like the people on 616 when Wasp goes back? What happens when Wasp and Ant-Man are stuck there that all of a sudden then they were able to open up that portal again? I was confused by that. She puts the beacon back on and it is able to map the multiverse now like extremely quickly. She she like targets them. Instead of the tunnel, yeah. they now use this little like portal zone. There's just a lot going on in every Marvel movie now. And I'm definitely getting, I know Brian, you're using it this one point, like fatigue. And it's not that I'm not enjoying them. There's like levels of enjoyment. I can take them for just face value now. The, the Infinity Saga, the connectedness of that was still like, it was just impressive and seeing these stories carrying over, but there's just so much 
sci-fi kind ofness now just between like especially the last doctor strange i feel like the last marvel movie that i really enjoyed was semi sony's credit but i know it's still like marvel was was uh spider-man yeah yeah that's the last one i probably went wild for but every single marvel movie i watch i enjoy but i do not feel like i have to watch them anymore and kyle you're right at the beginning was like oh, we got to see the post-credits. Oh, what could happen here? What could happen there? I don't care at this point. I just want to sit down and be entertained. And like I said, I've always been entertained. So this is not me saying I'm done with Marvel. I've given up. But I'm even more entertained now that I care less. And then, Mike, quickly to your point on who the villain should be. This movie does not make money if MODOK, the Corey Stoll character, MODOK, is the bad guy here. And that's what they're promoting in the theater. Disney is not doing well. Uh, Marvel not doing as well as they want to. They need a guaranteed hit and a safe choice to open this up with. As weird as Quantumania sounds as a safe choice, this dude is so hot right now. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I loved every little bit of Jonathan Majors. That's why they replaced Cassie with Catherine Newton, because I know you, uh, this group right here, doesn't really know Catherine Newton, but the Gen Zer, she's a big star in, in that scene right she's in a lot of those films i i I talked about her a lot in in high school slumber party so like they're consciously new oh we got to get someone like Catherine newton in this to bring the younger kids in she played cassie no yeah like i love jonathan majors i love how he portrays this character and i loved him in loki too doing this character on a completely different level i wish i wasn't as invested and didn't know beforehand so much about this character from the comics or anything it can come in colder i'd have a better time without all these expectations and i definitely agree that i don't want modok as the main villain okay (laughs) fucking bill murray needs to be the fucking bad guy in the quantum realm or what you know like he rules the quantum realm and then kang is pulling his strings at the very end that's the post-credit scene he fails kang shows up and kills him or something you know to a larger problem with the mcu right now is fucking fan service okay and it's starting to really grain on me and that's the only reason modok's here in the first place is because the fans were streaming at marvel fit him in somewhere fit him in somewhere all right so we get this bastardized version of what isn't even necessarily a beloved character in the first place he's just super bizarre and is completely comic booky so like he works in comics and they're just like dare you to work him into a live action somewhere and this is the best they're gonna do at the same time now like they just have and this isn't good necessarily but they have with these variants this opportunity to give like a little zhuzh and hear like people's excitement like oh that modok did good we can bring in the actual the more comic accurate version of modok later on same thing with like krasinski as fantastic four that is arguably the most fan service besides the snyder cut that's even more confusing because when the real reed richards of 616 shows up and it's not krasinski people are i guarantee people are gonna be scratching their heads going like what was that all about you know and so it just kind of feels like hedging their bets too much okay because like what's gonna happen now like was modok a hit it doesn't seem like it feels like this is all we're gonna get and if that's it it's like they shit the bed a little bit yeah they really just knowing 
and Brian, I don't know how much like again that you know about like what their plans are with the next like two phases or whatever. But you know, so this is now the multiverse saga or whatever. I think they're just like Kevin Feige. I mean, who, who knows? He might leave after this one is done. Like I've heard that rumor. But nonetheless, I think they're like we just need to fucking get through this, guys, and we need to hit that reboot button. No, they really do need to hit that reboot button. I mean, I've heard a lot of rumors. I'm sure you guys have as well regarding that. After the blip, okay, after Endgame, now we're getting introduced to all the next generation heroes, right? Everyone's handing off the mantle to their younger selves, right? Like the new Hawkman, uh, they got Hawkgirl now. We got new Ant-Girl in this. Like everybody, we got the twins in WandaVision. Like everybody's showing up to form the Young Avengers soon, you know? So it's like they're going to do that and as soon as that's done they're gonna do secret wars which will be you know the incursions which will blend all of the realities and then they can reboot and do what dc is doing now right hitting the reset button let's stop pretending that these are higher pieces of cinema here they're just trying to make money i'm not saying you guys personally i'm saying like you know the the film nerds out there most people who watch this movie really like this movie a lot of people are going back to watch this movie it's the third highest grossing movie so far this year it did really well i think it's gonna meet or exceed their expectations overall and really that's all they're asking for because they are not happy with what's happening on the marvel what is it called the marvel tv universe i don't know the mtu yeah the, the one on disney plus they have not been happy with that so they're looking to pivot back to movies and to pivot back to easy wins if you will they've only had a couple like real stinkers right in terms of box office money but what is back on track when you're not using ant-man who i think is probably the easiest character to get back to basics with and have a self-contained narrative but they're using that to kickstart a whole new complicated confusing thing instead of being like all right let's do a self-contained one after all of this sort of craziness with dr strange going everywhere and all these peter parkers and all this i'll tell you what though i felt like this was believe it or not this movie was a lot more simple than dr strange i didn't think it was confusing at all in terms of like yeah if i was deep diving how did this happen how did that happen but like to me it was a family gets lost in a different world and they have to get out of it somehow and that makes even sense and that's great i love you know but it's just it's just a shame that you know like you don't get bobby kind of and judy greer in this you don't get michael Pena. Uh, you're not given that aspect of it you know like so you think like ant-man and the wasp and again just like that level of the villain in it that is the movie that came out right after infinity war and then like the post credit in that is pretty crazy and that does set up for endgame and obviously as scott mentioned several times and writes a book about it, and they all make fun of him he did save you know the planet saved the universe by coming out of the quantum realm and having the van with the tunnel, yada, yada, yada. Ant-Man 2 did play a big part into finishing up the Infinity Saga, but still the majority of the movie, which was much more on a simple level. So just the tool of having Kang in this and MODOK and like a Bill Murray kind of character it was just a little bit more i think like you know if one of them wasn't in it and i don't know who like it could have just been a little tighter and a little bit stronger but in the end i mean this movie had me laughing a lot which is definitely what i want from an ant-man movie and and paul rudd in general in the end hey i was entertained that's the most important thing but i mean if it wasn't for knowing that we were going to be doing this podcast episode and i was even the one that was like hey are we doing Ant-Man 3 maybe i would have watched this on disney plus that's what the first movie that i've done on on Disney Plus is um, Wakanda Forever. I'm sorry, technically Black Widow, but that wasn't by choice. 
I sound like I'm being pretty harsh on this. I don't really mean to be. I know I'm just giving it a hard time. And I'm like, I also quite enjoyed it, you know, for what it is. Like, I'll just try talk about more positive aspects of it. Like, it looks gorgeous. I love the different looks of the quantum realm. And I love all the creatures. And mo- like, you know, to me, people talk about how like the Marvel house style has gotten pretty lazy and sloppy. Like, I really don't feel like they skimped on this one you know they knew they were gonna have to basically cgi the entire movie so it seems like they made sure they had the budget for that maybe it was just too big for me personally for an ant-man film but that's that's just the point they're trying to prove well that's why it should have been giant man and the wasp for this one oh clever (laughs) i didn't mind by the way and you know i love michael pena but i didn't mind not seeing him here i missed him but i think that's the point right if you told me that this was the for sure last ant-man film ant-man died i would have been pissed that we didn't see them yeah, that we don't get another going with the two of them and him explaining to Scott and Scott being like, whoa, 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 whoa. By the way, variant-wise, I would love to see a Michael Pena Ant-Man. He even says in Ant-Man 2, next time I got to get a suit, e- even if it doesn't make me small. That's funny because that's like what Rhodey says at the end of the first Iron Man, right? Doesn't he say like, oh, next time one of the, you know, that's the variant Terrence Howard. <laughs> he should come back. I do want to see them again. I kind of like that this movie existed outside of that universe a little bit. Or inside, inside. Yeah, but it was outside of 616, so I guess it makes sense. It was deep, deep inside. As long as, again, if they're going to finish the series or retire the character somehow, go back to the roots. But again, it was cool to see him. This really felt like, I know it's Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania, but this truly felt like Ant-Man was a superhero, not just a guy who stumbled on a suit. I love the first one, but like it's it's a lot of Hank Pym. It's Hank's controlling of Ant Man. It is Hank passing the torch in the first one, and the second one, Scott is under like house arrest, and it's just like, oh, let me kind of like help you guys out where I can. It's the Wasps movie. Wasps, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, I wish we got more of her in this movie. I love that we finally get, like, Michelle Pfeiffer, because we really didn't get her in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then we get her just in the one of the final shots in, in Endgame. So it's great to see them playing off, two fucking Hollywood legends, playing off of one another and talking about, like, the yeah. hookups. I'm sorry, if she hooked up with Bill Murray's character? Krylar. She definitely hooked up with Kang. 110%. Kyle, I agree with you on that one. I 100% agree with you. I like how they were cool about it. You know what I mean? Because Hank was, yeah, I was banging people too. You know, like we yeah, And he's just like, yeah, but no no, no one came close to you, baby. That was fucking awesome. I know I said I like Catherine Newton. I understand why she was in the movie. I did feel a little bit too old for this character. I hear you. Then I started to think about it in the context that you are saying, Mike, especially after the movie. Like, if they're going to do a Young Avengers thing... They all have to have different personalities, right? They all can't just be like the rogue badass. Some of them have to be Peppy and Cassie Lange. But they also tried to make her sciency as well. Her aging still doesn't make sense to me. She was eight years old in the first movie. So she's eight years old in 2015. So this is 10 years. When was the blip? She was 10 at the blip, right? Probably. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is that she was eight in 2015 and now this is like 2025 2026 so that's she's either supposed to be 18 or 19 which yeah she looks about 18 or 19 to me i mean for my old man i i don't know what i mean i'm just going on what my niece looks like i have a 21 year old niece and they look pretty much the same to me seems about right yeah i guess of a a human at that age just for perspective quickly Catherine newton is 26 the 
one from Endgame is 21 right now, and the one from the original is 14 right now. So the one from Endgame is 21. Wait, and the original is 14. They should have just used the original actress. They used her to bring in the Gen Zers because Catherine Newton is popular among the Gen Zers. The one from Endgame, which Endgame now came out in 2019. So that one that that's four years ago almost, and she's 21 now. So she was only 17 in that movie. Yeah, they did it so that Gen Zers would enjoy the movie more. But you use that opportunity to elevate this actress and make her a Gen Z star and be like, look at the new Ant Girl. Like, it's this kind of <laughs> unknown who's only been in a few movies. That ain't how it works. Do you guys think that they cut down Evangeline Lilly's part in this movie for reasons because like i feel like she was supposed to have a lot more to do and then they're like you know what like let's write in scott's daughter more let's definitely bump up michelle pfeiffer's role i feel like they were sidelining her for oh yeah for sure that's who like i wish i would definitely saw more of i mean i enjoyed everybody and there's like some people that i'd love to see more of as well but as far as the title of ant-man and the wasp Quantumania, like title would get too silly if you're like ant-man the wasp and they never give like a name to cassie or whatever i thought maybe at the end like we have like three wasps right so it's like ant-man and wasps uh, i think giant man would have been a great title for this especially since like he's going to the quantum realm but is michelle pfeiffer the wasp in this is it evangeline Lilly, or is it Catherine newton like she never really gives her moniker she doesn't have wings so I don't think she could be a wasp. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you could always attach wings. But yeah, it's just she didn't come out and say, like, I have a suit and call me, you know, I think she's called Stinger or something. But again, it is just crazy that in five years that she read grandpa's journals and taught herself and built a suit. Her stepmom was teaching her as well, right? Oh, well, yeah. Well, she got blipped. We don't know if Judy Greer did either. I wonder if Judy Greer got blipped. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, who was she hanging out with during the blip? Like, I think it was, you know, Scotty's buddies from prison. I want to ask you guys this, since I am not caught up on all Marvel TV and all Marvel films. And don't be like, okay, Iron Man, blah, blah, blah. What did I need to watch to understand this? Loki. Season one is all you really needed to see. Oh, and then after Loki, if anything, I'd say the what if cartoon, because they show a lot of the multiverse possibilities and they show completely insane versions of Ant-Man at times. Like it's, it's fucking nuts. Like they work Ant-Man a lot. Like, I feel like I feel like they're really upselling that character the past few years, working him into the Disney Plus stuff. Yeah, I think Paul Rudd's a team player. I think that's why. He's America's sweetheart. So I watched Loki and I'm somewhat caught up, but I am comforted by the fact that I don't need to watch everything to understand. I think that's a good move. If I went to the theater and was like, what the hell? I don't know where anyone is. I almost thought that I missed something with, as you guys are saying, Cassie. Like, wait, was there like a throwaway line in She-Hulk about Cassie or something like that? Brian, to keep going with, you know, us nerd bashing. I mean, it's just everyone's trying to have their cake and fucking eat it too. With phase four now over, the biggest, one of the bigger complaints was, oh, there's no connectivity between the movies. Like they're just introducing so many new characters. And it's like, yes, there was a lot of stuff that came out. There was like a full year, obviously, of like nothing being released. 
So there was stuff compacted together, but still it was a lot of projects, obviously a lot of TV, but yeah, so they're introducing all these new characters, or maybe there's a couple of, you know, sequels in there as well, or technically a prequel of Black Widow. When all these complaints were of that nature, it's just like, well, that guys, that's what like phase one was. And then they come together eventually. So I'm fine with that. It's just, it's just, it is an overload. And then it's a little bit, and I do enjoy it. Like I watch Brian, I think you introduced me to it, but like that show on screen crush right oh yeah i watched screen crush yeah he's just really he's really annoying and i hate that he does like the voices of his dog and all the fucking other no stuff. i don't like that either but you get a lot of good stuff from it that's why i watch it exactly and i watch a lot of that to like fill me in on stuff they're really good at what they're doing as far as breaking it down and finding easter eggs and just reminding me of connectivity this is the thing in the end of the day with the MCU, Marvel movies, or with DC movies, with comic book movies. And this isn't me like hating on comic books or the source material, but look at the source material. It gets crazy. It gets convoluted. It is a lot. And it's just crazy to try to attempt that if you want to continue the story versus like they will have to do that reset just so they don't go insane too. I thought this movie... When I say it looked really good, like, I mean, like, the CGI. Like, I still think, like, the ending of the first Black Panther, that when they're fighting in, like, the vibranium kind of subway kind of L-train oh, yeah. things, that just, like, doesn't look that great. And, there, and there's other moments as well in Marvel movies, but I feel that way with a lot of movies that are CGI heavy. But I don't know. I saw some article the other day that was saying, oh, they put a lot into Wakanda forever. So the CGI team was was on hard times with Quantumania. I'm like, oh, I really didn't. I, didn't, I thought everything looked pretty, pretty great. Um, I like there was definitely also, there was a good combination of uh, like the cantina. There was a good practical effects meets uh, CGI kind of creatures in there. Too. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the uh, probability storm when Scott was trying to shrink down the engine and stuff and you get like a billion Ant-Mans and a, a trillion. Oh yeah, Baskin Robbins, like Ant-Man is fantastic. And they work together in a team like ants. Exactly. And then an ant army at the end. There is a lot in this movie and they are introducing a lot of, you know, side characters, like even like the strong, like female warrior character. There's a lot to try to grasp onto, but I'll say it one last time. I was entertained in the end. I'm actually very much looking forward to rewatching this one in a little while after it sort of sinks in a little better, because I think if there's one thing that really works about Marvel movies is they're always ahead of us and they supposedly know where they're going and what they're doing. Even like I mentioned earlier about Iron Man 2, how at that time everyone was sort of down about it because they're like squeezing in all this Avengers prelude shit. But like you watch that now and you're like, this is fucking tight. Like this is cool how it works now knowing how things have played out. So I feel like that's happened a couple times with these movies for me where it's like, uh, I'm sort of on the fence at the moment. But then when I go back and watch them, after a couple more come out, I'm like, no, this is like fallen in step and, and it's fitting nice and, and fits better. So like, I have, I'm hoping that is what's going to go on for me with this movie as well, that like down the line, it'll work for me a little better. I mean, and I still had a lot of fun and I'm still going to, you know, look forward to rewatching it. What bothers me is like, not that there's too much of this stuff, but that like Marvel is kind of like telling us too much, like, you know, showing us the timeline and showing us the movies. And like, we know that those change and, and shift around and, and I know keep it close to the chest more and like don't ask for the fans fucking input anymore and like stick to your guns again get back to like your roots and how you felt and your sensibilities early on what's going to happen is the reboot you know and I think it's going to be 
it's going to work and it'll be organic because it's what happens in comics. They're going to pull it off when they have to do it. Just like DC looks like with the flash, it looks like it's going to kick a lot of ass uh, cleaning up their mess with that movie. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just a little weary. Like Kyle said, like I might wait for Disney plus for a few of these. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I almost always wait for Disney plus with these. But there really hasn't been a movie in a long time that I'm like, I need to go see this like opening weekend. I don't know. I'm the same. Like I've I only did this because of the show. Like I really can't afford to go to movies. Well, I was just gonna say (laughs) you have to have a subscription if you really, you know, want to save and you actually have to go a lot. If not, it's you know, twenty dollars to see a movie like this. And it's like, what's it really worth twenty dollars, in my opinion, as much as I enjoyed it? I could have waited. I might see Guardians three the we go see that because that's just one of my favorite like entries. And got to do it for the show. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, my wife really likes that series, so that's fun to go with her to see that. We were so excited, you know, for Avengers to come out, and then by you know, and see that team form, and then by the end of the Infinity Saga, or just even with Infinity War and Endgame, to see all those characters on screen together, and like yeah. Scott referencing, like, oh, I got to meet a talking raccoon. That's really cool. But that's the whole thing. But and especially with this world, it's just really. Also interesting to see how they're kind of addressing this post-blip world. You kind of got it in uh, Far From Home with Aunt May helping people. You get with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's like the biggest talk of it. You get kind of an interesting look at it in a few projects, like people just showing back up, like Yelena, and then also in WandaVision. But it's just, you know, in this, Hope is changing the world now and is the biggest, like, philanthropist and stuff like that. Just so much, even in their world, there's just so much to, like, talk about and to cover. So, of course, it's going to get, like, pretty crazy for us as just viewers and dealing with their stories and their lives. Yeah, I almost feel like Phase 4, if circumstances were different, i.e. no pandemic, uh, they probably would have done a much better job of it addressing the blip. I heard that the one of the themes of Phase 4 was supposed to be, like, grief, right? Like, great, thanks, Marvel. Like, you don't get a darkness enough with DC. You have to drag us down. And I understand what they're going for, you know, how the world's changed post-Thanos and the attack and all that. I just don't feel like it sank in. It was, like, almost on the edge of whatever else was going on because they needed to get to this multiverse stuff for whatever. I feel like they were just rushing to get here through Phase 4. A lot of difficult circumstances to make movies and shows during that time but a lot of rewrites a lot of reshuffling and and it kind of was felt so i just hope after this they know where they're going and they can get all their ducks in a row and and things will just sort of go a lot smoother from here on out maybe they will maybe they won't you know i'll watch when i have time and when i don't have time i won't i still haven't seen eternals and you don't have to watch eternals you remember how like inhumans were supposed to be a movie at one point and then they were just like nah and then they did the show and then it failed as the show that's like what eternals like felt like it's just like guys you just do you're just trying way too hard that could have been a show actually you know make that the show make the make the falcon and the winter soldier a movie I think this is a good place to regrow back to normal human size and escape the quantum realm for this evening, unless there's anything. I mean, we didn't really talk about the 
movie per se, but I think we had a great conversation about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Before we get out of here and do plugs and all that, do you guys, uh, starting with Brian, want to mention anything specific that we didn't talk about as far as a scene or a character or anything? I mean, not really. I think we touched on everything here or there in terms of in terms of particular scenes. Like, honestly, I, th- I thought the uh, battles were pretty cool. And I'll just say this, they were a little bit more, as weird as it sounds, a little bit more coherent than some of the other Marvel stuff that I've seen. I don't know if it was the direction or whatever, but I could always tell who was fighting who. That was nice to see. I like the moment when Scott had to drink the ooze. or the Yeah, that, oh, that's yeah. fun. That's fun. <laughs> the ooze. Bill Murray coming in and just being Bill Murray. Like, oh, Bill Murray just seems like he was available for two days and they're like, okay, we'll take it, Bill. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah you just like that. And, and even if that's what it was, it was fine. It was great. And there's sort of a great second level to the Bill Murray cameo is that he plays this character, Krylar, who is who lives in the microverse in the Marvel comics, but he's in a he's in one Hulk comic when Hulk visits the microverse. And he is pretty much the same type of character and he dies in his first appearance. So it's sort of like this funny wink and a nod also to like the comic guys where it's like Bill Murray's here as a cameo and he's playing like a completely nothing character who only appeared once. So it's like the perfect opportunity to use that as a cameo. Yeah, and that's all that I'm sure Bill and Murray wants to participate in the MCU. Yeah, no, no specific scenes for me. Uh, right. I just, I like, you know, we hear that like Scott has a podcast or whatever. So like, you know, <laughs> he's got a podcast. He's released the book. But yeah, so it's just, I like his involvement in the world. I do, I do like the father daughterness, and he's just like pot calling the kettle black. You know, I'm all about supporting you, and like, but just worried yeah. that he, he wants her to have like a normal childhood. But she's like, Dad, when I was eight years old, a guy in, in a bee costume tried to kill me. I kind of like how they're like, um, if you've seen the Shazam movie, they're kind of like the Marvel family now. They're like the ant family where they all have like their ant powers and there's grandma and grandpa, mom and dad and their daughter. Yeah. And honestly, for a franchise called Ant-Man, I think it was just like his love of like Hank's love of ants is fantastic. I love that there's a giant, this giant ant army or like, you know, in this colony, like, you know, the payoff with that at the end, the little dance Mahina. It's absolutely crazy. And that's what I do also love about the Ant-Man movies. And I'm fine with them making fun of like, you know, Scott makes fun of the name Ant-Man in the first movie. In this, they've got a guy being like, you know, love you, Spider-Man. And, you know, oh, you're the other bug guy. Yeah. And just and then MODOK, the acronym again, and just all, all that kind of stuff. Or or are you Thor? You know, are you, you know, are you the guy with the hammer? Oh, you know, we've got similar body types. Like that's, that's, that's the fun stuff. I want, I want that. That's the fun realm of these characters now knowing one another. I I agree. I mean, this was a a fun ride. Love seeing the intelligent ants. Just love, honestly, the passion of all the actors. I thought it was acted pretty well. Michael Douglas is going to so passionate here. He's not mailing it in. Michelle Pfeiffer is badass and she's awesome. Well, we're going to have to watch it when we get ready to watch the Kang Dynasty and have to go over the entire Jonathan Majors kind of like appearance in the MCU. You know, we make sure we check it all out. Uh, Well, we get to talk Jonathan Majors again soon, right? Yeah, everybody. So hopefully we'll see you guys again back here next month to review Creed 3. Did you, could you believe they're doing Creed 3? I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited for this movie. And I'm just like, it breaks my heart that Sly has zero interest in it. Oh, but, I can't wait to find out what that's all about. Like, do we know the deal? Why Stallone's like mad? I mean, yeah, I definitely remember reading about it, like it being announced that Michael B. Jordan and you know is going to be directing, and then 
yeah, Sly isn't going to be in it. And it kind of sounded like a mutual, like it just like, what else do we do with that character? Like, do you really have Rocky just show up in a scene? Like, yeah, I am completely fine with it now being Adonis's story and all those characters. Well, if you're going to follow Rocky three, you have him die like Mick did, right? Like he shows up. Yeah, but there was already already in the they kind of blew that just with the cancer scare in the first movie. Ah, good call, good call. That worked well. It looks great. I'm excited for his directorial debut. Uh, Jonathan Majors is just fucking badass and looks awesome, and he looks like genuinely the best bad guy so far in the Creed verse. And don't get me wrong, I love Creed too, but that was always that was more excited to see Drago back. There was just much more between Drago being there and the villain with Rocky and the fact that he killed Adonis' birth father and that kind of stuff. Remind me when we talk Creed 3. I just did like a deep dive on the Stallone thing. It is hilarious. So I'll just say quickly, like an excerpt of a quote is like he wanted Rocky 7 to be Rocky's fight to rebuild the neighborhood he once loved. Um, All right. Oh, no. Urban (laughs) renewal. Uh, uh, well, you definitely would have to after the Eagles fans burned it down losing the Super Bowl. Oh, jeez, jeez. So. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun to watch. Um, so I'm glad we're not doing that movie. No, it would be great. It would be like it would be like the hearing parts of Rocky Balboa of him trying to get his boxing license back, but a whole movie of courtroom scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yo, like, can't we have like some more garbage cans on every corner? <laughs> Yo, lo- yo, like, I fixed little Marie's light outside her house. I could do fucking electronics. The government doesn't help us anymore. <laughs> it's for the people, by the people. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to charge me more taxes? <laughs> oh, man. the people. Oh, boy. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Brian, where can we find you on the internet? I'm rarely on Twitter, but at oh, my Rodriguez on Twitter. Uh, check out my other show, High School Slumber Party, which the two of you are frequently on. And Mike, we co-host a show, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, where we talk the films of Francis Ford Coppola, cut by cut. Right before this, our episode on One for the Heart just came out. So that's going to be a good one. And I'm not sure what the next one is, but you'll find out soon. <laughs> All right, I'll know when you know. Kyle, what about yourself, sir? If other people are looking for you, where can we find you? Uh, I got nothing to promote. If you want to check me out on Foodie Films Media on Instagram, go ahead and do so. Yeah, check out some of those old Foodie Films episodes that I'm on. They're a lot of fun. Uh, We got to finish our Cannibal Quest someday, and there's a movie called Raw that's really great. Oh, I covered that with Joey. Oh, you already talked about it? Okay, there's a new one called... um, to the bone or something yeah. like that with Timothy Chalamet. We should talk about that. We talked soon. about that okay. briefly on High School Slumber Party because it is a nice film. Yeah, but there's still a lot of quality shows over there to go check out for sure. Thanks. It's all right. So uh, hopefully we will be back together again soon. But uh, until then, three—that's the magic number. Three. It is. It's the magic number. They stubbing me, and that's a magic number. What does it all mean?